Hi, everybody. I'm Kevin O'Donoghue, licensed mental health counselor. And I'm Nasima Diane Deemer, trauma specialist and licensed massage therapist. And this is The Positive Mind. Where we bring you some ideas, concepts, and guests to help you lead a more positively-minded life. And welcome to 2022. Right? You know, instead of saying Happy New Year, welcome to 2022. You know, Nisima, I caught myself the other day saying Happy New Year. And, you know, it was like January 12th and 13th. And it kind of just didn't feel right. Happy New Year. You know, it kind of felt like, all right, it's gone. That original enthusiasm, Happy New Year, is gone. And most people aren't saying it anymore. It's only January 15th here in New York City, 16 degrees out. <laughs> um, but, you know, isn't that like, it, it dawned on me, like, it's kind of mysterious how it, you know, just doesn't feel appropriate to say Happy New Year now when, when it's January 15th. Yeah, it's like you're you're well into it. I feel like I'm just well into it now. I'm kind of over the change of yeah. year and mm-hmm. it's like, okay, let's just keep going. Things are things are moving right along. Isn't it? Isn't it? So now we've all settled in for this ride of 2022. And did you forget did you forget your resolutions? I think I think it's about this time that people start sliding on their resolutions, certainly within the next week. I think they, they did a study of resolutions, and it was like on the 23rd day, you know, the highest number of people had fallen. So definitely by the end of January. We are here to say on the positive mind that do not feel guilt about breaking your resolutions. Do not feel guilt. Um, and we're going to talk more about guilt as a useless kind of remorse is not useless, but guilt is kind of useless. Guilt is not going to help you. So we want to talk about that starting in this new year. Have a guilt-free year. How about that? How about that? That's a nice wish. Yeah, and the short answer is don't do anything you don't think you should do. <laughs> then you won't have to feel guilty or think something that you don't think you should think. Right. And then I won't feel guilty. Uh, But who can control what we think? You know, thinking is very random. But I think part of what we're also hitting at is like, you know, the new year, often we kind of pressure ourselves with some sort of change, that the year has to change, that there has to be something new happening this year. Mm -hmm. And some people don't even make resolutions. I mean, they've kind of just given up. On resolutions. Maybe yes. that was a resolution for some people. I will not mm. make a resolution for this new year. Um, maybe out of some defiance. Right. But, the, you know, the new year offers a little bit of hope, a little bit of chance for something to change. Because I think everybody feels like there's something that could be maybe a little better, make life a little oh. easier. Well, there's that'll take us right into it. But, you know, it was always clever to say my resolution this year is not to make any resolutions. Yeah. <laughs> right wise kid at 16 or somebody would say something like that i I, I know i've said it in my lifetime i declare i'm perfect in every way Mm, there you go (laughs) we do a show on narcissism right Right. there (laughs) i have been saying you know even years better things happen in even years i don't know if that's historically true let's say hitler went into czechoslovakia in 39 
<laughs> just to go to the worst example, but brought on the worst sort of period in human history. Yeah, I don't know if there's a scientific correlation but to your anyway, theory. But if it were 1940, he might not have done that, is what I'm saying. Anyway, okay. it's a theory. Well, I'm entitled. <laughs> so here we are. But let's start, Nasima, about these resolutions, because we did say, you know, why... One of the things we said last week in our show on resilience, and this is also a show on resilience, because um, resilience is a really important trait in mental health. And we mentioned ways to develop resilience last week. Yeah. You know? Um, and to sort of refill your tank. To refill your tank. And we talked about, like, how ready are you to face another demand? Or a disaster. How ready are you? You know, in my 20s, I felt like I could take anything. You know, there was nothing I was going to be stopped by. And still in my 40s, even, you know. Now I'm 60, 61, and i like bracing myself against any more demands from any corners of the planet. We thought starting our new year with shows on resilience would be really important, especially if you can can develop it. This week, we want to say, one, repeat what we said last week, which is that flexibility, being flexible, is the biggest sign of resilience. When you become rigid and less flexible, you have less options. You don't go with the wind like we talked about the trees last week. Then you're more susceptible to breaking. Right. And not bouncing back. Right. And right. so we thought, well, New Year's resolutions, that's kind of rigid to pick one thing that I'm not, you know, I want to change and focus on. And if at the end of the year you want to say, okay, I did that one thing, I lost 100 pounds, let's say. That's a big what one. else did you do? Right? Did you lose a year of your life losing weight? Is that it? That's that's a big cost. You know, if you need to lose the weight, then it's a great resolution to have. But if it's going to be your whole year, you might want to put some other things in the year. And so we came upon this idea of what are five things that you want to do this year? Five things. And what are five things you want to be this year? And what are five things I want to have this year? And all of which are attainable, right? You don't want to pick things like, I want the queen's necklace or something. You know, I, want, I want a diamond ring or something. But things that are with who you are, you're capable of being, doing, and having. Because this opens it up. This is this 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 takes out the rigidity of a one-dimensional New Year's resolution, a New Year's approach to the year. Right, and it's a pretty common coaching strategy too. Oh, is it the be, do, and have? Uh -huh. And I think it's a wonderful exercise to let yourself start to open the doors on what's possible for you. And we're saying five things for each one. That can be kind of big. Like you might not have thought of five things you wanted to do this year uh -huh. or five things or, the, or like ways you want to be yeah. 
that can be a big ask, but at least to start there, to just kind of take a little risk, take a little risk here to at least write it down. Yeah. And be creative. Yes. You know, because we're trying to engage the same energy, the same hope, the same vision, you know, that you have when you make a New Year's resolution. Everybody can quickly say, oh, I need to do that. Mm-hmm. I need to do that. And that's my resolution. I need to lose weight. So my New Year's resolution is not to eat chocolate cake or whatever. But that's like not a, a very good way of changing. It's a hard, you're giving yourself a task of something that you don't really want to do. And I think so. This exercise, I didn't know it was a coaching thing, by the way. Um, that this thing about picking five, sort of let your mind go. Let your mind, let yourself know what it's like when your mind is flexible. Oh, five things I want to be. I want to be less intrusive. I want to be less interrupting. You know, I don't want to interrupt. I would encourage you to maybe shift the framing of that. Go ahead. Instead of I want to be less intrusive, I want to be more maybe attuned to what's happening. Okay. And, you know, because... To want to be less is kind of a trap, Very, like a yeah. little mental trap. Mm. Like if you're doing something like, I don't want to do this, I, try to shift it to a positive statement, a little more mm. um, lifting rather than a restrictive. I, I think, you know, cognitively and right. in your sort of, as we're going to talk about the engineer resistance wise, if it's like leaning more towards a positive outcome, I want to be more... Yeah, more attuned to what's happening in a conversation that I don't feel like I have to intrude. Or I want to be more attuned to the needs of my partner that I don't feel like I'm just, you know, forcing my needs on them. Yes. So that's a a way of being. Like, I want to be more attuned to my my relationships or my surroundings. Right. Right. That I'm not a bull in a china mm, shop. That's great. I didn't say that I was. <laughs> I know. Well, that's, well, that's I think, intrusive can feel yes, like a bull in a china I'm shop. But know? this is a very, very good point, right? Because, mm-hmm. again, I was doing it from a lack, like a New Year's resolution. And so I want to tune in without interrupting. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Yeah. I want to tune into people more without interrupting. Right. Or I, I yeah. I want to sit, I want to be more silent too. This is right. one that I did think about. I want to, I want a quieter life. I want a quieter world. Mm-hmm. I want a quieter me. You know, so I, I'd, I'd like more silence. Is that a being, doing, or having? I would, I want to have more silence. If you want to have more silence, I want to be more silent. Mm-hmm. And I want to do be silence. Can you do silence? More silent things. I, I think so. Could be like yeah. going for a walk in the park mm. on your own or sitting on a bench. Yes. Um, How about you? Can you pick one? Well, I think I'd like to, and it's interesting because I wrote down less reactive. So here I'm already in the trap. There you go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to be more responsive. Around? I want to be more responsive. So, so okay. able to sort of stand my ground a little bit and not get triggered so easily. Okay. So yeah, to be able to take a beat. How about this? I want to be more aware of all of my emotions. That's a lot. Well, uh, instead of being reactive, because we're reactive when we're not aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So that leads to, like, I want to be more present. Right. I want to be more present, more here in the moment, able to slow things down. Okay. And just be here you know, in my 
interactions. And what about do? I want to do. I want to. I want to swim more. Mm-hmm. I want to swim more. How do I phrase it? So, yeah. So yeah. notice, audience, that when you say it, if you're having a like a, a reaction, like Nasima says, are, am I having a reaction as I'm saying it? Like, I'm not sure I really want to do I that. I know. I was going to say. I do already... want to swim more. I want to you swim do? more. Okay. But I don't want to limit it to a pool. Oh, okay. So that's the real want. Yeah. That'll be the real pleasure. So I you... want to be swimming in an ocean, in a lake, in a pond. Okay. In a river, in a in a stream, in a waterfall area, you know, that I want sounds... all of this, you know, when I picture it, yeah, that that's what I want. Right. So doesn't that sort of open things up? Five do's, five bees, mm-hmm. five, five halves. Five halves. I want to do more travel. I definitely you do. You want to travel more. I want to travel more. So that's a doing. Like yeah. I want to get out more. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I want to have a new wardrobe. That's big. That's and, a lot. How about a new shirt? <laughs> well, and that's, I mean, I see it as a as a way of sort of just shifting over into a new wardrobe. And part of having a new wardrobe has to do with being in better shape. It's a little bit tied together. So I want to have, you know, a healthy body. Let's say that. There you go. Like that's instead of, you know, I want to lose weight. I want to, you know. I'm not going to eat X, Y, and Z. I want to have a healthier body, and I want to make steps towards that. You know, what does what does that mean? See, I, I'm feeling that as a burden for you, and I don't want... Mm. And so I'm saying, I want Nasima to have three types of wardrobes. The heavy Nasima, the, the regular Nasima, and the very skinny. Well, now and, you're being a little the, intrusive. <laughs> I'm very sorry about that. No, I thought I was being delicate there. <laughs> But seriously, I mean, if we want to tell our audience mm-hmm. that we want you to pick things that you're going to want to do, yeah, you know, that you're going to not be rigid in. You know, right. if I'm like I'm going to quit smoking this year and I'm going to be miserable doing it, right. chances are you're not going to do it well. You're not going to be resilient at it. You're, you're going to break the vow. Right. And we want to create a picture where – you know, you're you're able to do thing this thing that you need or want more easy and pleasant. And so for you, you said, I want a new wardrobe. I'm thinking, oh, the motivation is because I'm too, you know, I have an extra five pounds or something and I don't, can't fit mm-hmm. in. And I'm thinking, how about just having a bigger outfit or at least one of them so that that's an option. And I hear your, I hear your protectiveness in that. And this might be, this is interesting. Okay, for the, do it for with the, somebody. <laughs> for the audience to yes. sort of listen in. Because very often when you say things that you want in your life, you're, you know, people who are around you might feel a little protective of you yeah. in what you're saying. Right. And what does their change mean to you? You know, I oh, I yeah. hear it's like you're you're a little protective that this might be difficult for me and maybe I won't be able to do it. Maybe there's a subtle wish in you around that. You know, who knows? We're just kind yes. of. But, yeah, but yeah. just to understand the sort of dynamics of relationships and change, that's maybe going to be another show that we'll do. Okay. Change in relationships. This idea of resilience is growing. Yeah. yeah. Let yourself have 
the things that you want, just at least on paper. I think it's really important to write down these things and try these not to、things. try not to immediately knock them、right. down. Let yourself have them and feel into it and and be with it a little. And then、bit. you can narrow it down to two or one instead of having、I、one New Year's resolution. You have one doing, one being, one having resolution for the whole year. And、yeah. and again, we're, we're we're suggesting you do this in a pleasant way, so that you notice. Am I having a reaction when I said swimming? I wanted to swim more. Was, there was a there was a little physical kind of reaction. I was、yeah. like, I need to clarify that more. I want to make that clearer to myself. Right, because I was feeling protective yeah, of you around swimming because I know. Which I leads know us, Nasima, to our topic for today, which is. What is it that prevents us from changing? There is this mechanism we all have that says no. <laughs> I'm not going to change, even if I want to. I want to lose fifty pounds. We we realize within the third week. You know what? Maybe I don't. Maybe I don't want to lose fifty pounds. Maybe you know I'm destined to always be this weight. Maybe it's okay that I'm this weight. Maybe、uh, I don't need to look like I did when I was in my twenties, or whatever it is. And we want to say that we have a name for this voice that we all have,、um, because every study about resolutions shows that by the end of January, most people don't abide those resolutions. Probably because of the way they're chosen, one one variable. But we all have an engineer. We all have a driving engineer in our system, in our mind, that wants us to stay the same. Wants us not to really change. And I'm really curious about this name, the engineer. Do you do you know where that comes from? That they call it the engineer. Well, I don't know. I mean, when you think about physical structures and planning for buildings and bridges and everything. It's the engineers that figure out how to make it work, right? And they do all the planning, and then the construction guys do all the, the building. But、right. the, without the engineers, it nothing really gets done properly. So,、yeah. if your life, if you've chosen the way you are, if I've chosen my life, which we all want to say every day, I choose myself, I choose my life. I also choose whether I change or not. <laughs> and, right, and,、um, and there's this—you got so used to relying on this decision maker in your system that eventually it goes underneath you, underneath your mind that you're not even aware of it, but it's still running the show, telling you. You could say you want to change, but I'm 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 in charge here. I'm the boss. <laughs> Engineers understand the internal structure and the the way things are. Together, yes, that make a certain thing stand. So, if you think about your engineer being the one who knows your structure, right? Say, I want to lose weight. My structure, something about my, you know, mental, physical, spiritual structure, is connected with the weight of my body. And if I go to change that, the engineer is going to be like, uh, 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 no. You're this weight for this for X,、oh, Y, and Z reason.、Mean. Yes, you know. Yeah. 
He won't tell you. It okay. just comes up with a big no because right. engineers are really good at saying, no, you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> because this structure can't handle it. Okay. Or it believes it can't handle believes it. Believes it can't That's the real thing. You so know. when you're running up against, do I have the chocolate cake or do I smoke the cigarette on January 23rd when it's staring me right in the face and I'm mm-hmm. smelling somebody's smoke or I'm seeing that cake, do I say, uh, eh, it's okay. I'll just have one. I, it's, you know, I went 22, 23 days it's not good for my system. I need to have a cigarette because my body's really reacting and it's not healthy for my body. Well, yeah, I ever thought I should do it this way is I don't understand. I'll have my cigarette. I'll have my piece of cake. And also the engineer might be saying, you know, it's like you might be feeling some feelings now that the chocolate cake and the cigarette take care of. And the engineer is saying, you're not stable enough to feel those feelings Go have the cigarette. Right. You're not, and so you're the, not ready for the, the, the. Your structure isn't stable enough to feel these feelings. Do you feel people out there, our audience? Do you feel that you have an engineer inside of you? <laughs> we all do. That is running your relationships, running your your relationship to you, frankly, but your relationships to everybody, relationships to work. Are there something that wants? Everything to stay the same. And there's no, no judgment here. We don't want to yeah. judge this. This is, this is critical. This is essential. You know, the engineer is what we'd call also the unconscious, you know, part of the unconscious. It is mm-hmm. unconscious. Yeah. Um, but we all have this. And so how do we engage the engineer in a way that's going to help us to make the changes that we might want to w- make. And this is the topic of our show on resilience. In order to be resilient, we are hypothesizing that you need to make friends with this inner engineer, this hypnotist, right? Because it's hypnotizing you. <laughs> it's this part of you that keeps you the way you are. It's a, hyp- it's a hypnotist, the engineer, you know? So, how do you break the hypnosis? How do you befriend the engineer? First, can you locate it in yourself? You know, I always liked that TV uh, commercial when I was a kid. Like, what was it? Um, Life cereal, right? And the commercial was, let's ask Mikey. He doesn't like anything. No, he eats everything. No, it's... He doesn't like anything. And then she says, hey, Mikey, hey, Mikey he likes you, right? Uh, okay, right? Okay. So there it is. So the, Mikey's the engineer. Mikey has a strong engineer. He's <laughs> learned to say no to changes. So the issue is engaging the engineer. Because if you don't engage it, the engineer will always win. Staying the same is, you know, is just always going to win. And so... What do we do to persuade the engineer? So the engineer, you would say, okay, look, I want to have a piece of cake. I will have it just this once. And maybe, you know, I won't have it for another five days. Instead of 360 days or 350 days, let me just have one cigarette and make this agreement with my engineer that, okay, um, you are telling me I need to have a cigarette, not to change, to stay the same way. 
I will just have a cigarette this one time, and then I'll go back to my changing. I'll, I'll you know, you know what I'm saying? Softening well, the engineer yeah, that wants yeah. to keep you a smoker, right? And say, okay, engineer, I'll 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 be a smoker for today, January 23rd, mm-hmm. but not for the 24th, not for the 25th, not for the 26th. Maybe again on the 30th. Maybe if I'm if I'm tempted. To me, I think the engineer needs like a game plan. Like, I want to quit smoking. That idea brings up such resistance in me because there's just, there's, yeah, I'm too connected to it. It's such a part of the structure of my day. So maybe what I've, what I've suggested to smokers is, okay, one of the things that people like about smoking is that they get to go outside every 30 minutes during work. Okay. So I'm like, so... For the day, you know, say you go out three times a day, I will go out three times and of those three times, one time I'll smoke. Yeah. Okay. The other times I'll go out and I'll just take some nice deep breaths. Okay. Walk around, take a break. I might finger the cigarette. I might hold it in my hand, Uh but I'm not going to, you know, smoke it. But it's just like just to do a little bit or like with a workout routine. Uh Uh-huh. Just five minutes to start. Yeah. Five minutes a day is easy. Like an easy step. What's an easy step towards this goal that's not going to bring up all the, yeah. you know, instead of going cold turkey, some people can manage it. But yeah, it's rarely effective. How it's can rarely you, effective. How can you titrate it? You know, in doing our research for this show, you know, we came upon um, gym memberships. Mm-hmm. You know, and how few people take advantage of their gym memberships. And one of the ideas was in negotiating with this no voice is to just travel to the gym. You don't even have to go in to just travel to the gym and and give yourself a check mark. I walked, I went to the gym today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a different meaning to the phrase, I went to the gym today. Uh, but no, this is true. This is being proven to to help people stick with, you know, a program of change to just go there physically, get your body moving in the direction of the change that you want to make. And this kind of is a way to negotiate with an engineer because it's like, here, I'm moving towards it and I'm moving away and I'm still okay. Yes. The the change isn't destroying everything. Right. It's putting just a little stress onto the system, letting the system get a little more uh, strength. Yes. And then relaxing. You know, I think what you're saying, I think we have to um, so, you know, soften the engineer. We have to sort of say, look, I don't, I'm not going to get rid of you. I'm going to keep you, <laughs> but I'm going to make some changes. Let me do some things to please you, <laughs> you know, like fall off the wagon and have the cake or have a cigarette. I'll do some things to please you, but I'm, sl- I'm also going to do some things that I want new in my life because I want to feel differently. Right. So let's make a pact. I'm going to let you still run the show. But I'm going to slowly input these changes. So we think this is like a very critical part to resilience because, again, I think the number one thing that kills resilience is guilt. And we want to show you ways today to how to befriend a part of you that was bound and 
destined to help you stay guilty and make you feel guilt. We call it the engineer. I'm Kev O'Donoghue. This is The Positive Mind, and we're going to take all a break. And I'm Nasima Diane Deemer. And we'll be right back. I learned the truth at 17 That love was meant for beauty queens In high school girls with clear skin smiles Who married young and then retired The valentines I never knew The Friday night charades of youth Were spent on one more beautiful At seventeen I learned the truth And those of us with ravaged faces Lacking in the social graces Desperately Isn't all it seems It's seventeen A brown-eyed girl in hand-me-downs Whose name I never could pronounce Said pity please the ones who serve They only get what they deserve
I learned the truth at 17. Do you think you learned, let's ask the audience, like, did you learn something about life at 17 that is playing itself out every day or, you know, in your approach to life? And I want to say, don't believe it. Because the song is sort of confirming not to change in some way. And it might be accurate, too. You know, that's something to also consider, that that some things don't change. There are certain things that don't change. But, you know, we believe that we can change. I can change. I can have a new attitude. I can have a new approach. I can look different. Right. I can be different. A new perspective. I think that's coming from the perspective of, yeah, a teenager who maybe doesn't fit in, who's seeing everybody else fit in, doesn't know how to fit in, and their engineer comes up and says, Mm. you're never going to fit in. Don't even try because it's going to hurt too much. I guess, you know, and this is why our our profession is so wonderful. We get to work with people that were so hurt at some point in their lives, so hurt that, you know, they believed that they couldn't change and that nothing changes. Um, and they built, you know, a lot of times they built their life around the hurt. So, I think at some um, level we all do. So, you know, it's such a privilege, you know, to work with people and their hurts and to be aware of your own as you're working with them. I can't fail but feel that as I work with, with people, my own hurt on a daily basis, every day. Yeah. And... It speaks to me the level of their resilience that they're coming in to get help. Yes. And that can also be like maybe the hardest step is to ask for the help. And to, you know, first, I mean, it's very hard to see your engineer at work, see and feel your resistance, know what you want and not be able to get there. That's really painful. Yes. And so... Like, again, from last week's show, we did talk about this four-letter word, help, and how men, particularly men, have a hard time asking for help or letting themselves be seen as needing help. And there's that rigidity, right, that we started the show with, that chances are the people who learn how to ask for help are more resilient than the people that don't know how to ask for help. If I could do one thing as a therapist, it would be get comfortable asking for help. Just do it. Um, so so that's part of last week's show. Um, and asking for help is a vital part 
of being resilient because let's face it, it's very hard. Being human is a very, it's very hard to be here. And especially when we want to make changes. So, you know, if you're trying to lose weight or stop smoking, uh, you know, the chances are of success of doing it without having help from other people, without leaning on other people, being able to share the struggle and keep you focused on the dream, uh, the desire, is very difficult if you can't get somebody to work with you. So that's another aspect of resilience. We mentioned last week at the end when we listed all of the ways of developing resilience that number nine was have, have allies. You need allies to make change, especially now that we know there's an engineer that wants to keep me the same. Let's talk a little bit, Nassim, about the fluctuations and and qualities, the way this engineer shows up, because most of us know it as defense mechanisms. Like, you know, denial is like a huge defense mechanism or dissociation. If you're, if you're living in a home growing up where you're being beaten or hit or whatever, you learn to jump out of your body, right? You learn to like, I'm not going to be hurt anymore. This I'll be hit or abused or whatever, and I am going to invent this mechanism of dissociating mm-hmm. um, so that it doesn't hurt anymore. And so when you get to be 30, your engineer is saying, I need this dissociating ability. I don't want to give this up. I need the, I mean, you know, this saved my life when I was 10 years old. What are you trying to persuade me to give it up? Yeah, and that will come in like the minute you try to move into anything somewhat difficult, the dissoci- the engineer's going to hit the dissociation button and and you're out and you've kind of I see. lost your ability to be present to someone or something or a situation. Yeah. It's just you're just gone and you're off into fantasy or something else like like another part of you sort of takes over. Right. So the part that's under distress, whether it, it's an actual physical abuse or in the case of trying to break a habit like smoking, it's the same thing. The system is under distress and it wants to run back to the person that's in charge, my engineer, to say, wait a second, this was a foolish thing to even think about, to even think to give up cake and give up cigarettes and to try to – no. If I had done that when I was young, I would have been I, I, I would have been killed. But the truth is, you're not ten anymore, and you don't need to dissociate. You're not seventeen anymore. And you're either. not at seventeen anymore, and so you can make friends with the seventeen-year-old. You make friends with the mechanisms that the seventeen-year-old and the ten-year-old chose, and say, "I need different defense mechanisms." So one is like the big one that I can't really stomach in in adults is passive aggression. I'm just, I have a pet peeve with passive aggression because it's, it's so obviously a childhood dependency trait. It's a trait of dependence. So people will show up late for a session, let's say, where they're paying me, you know, for the session They'll just be late, you know, three weeks in a row. And, of course, I'll bring it up and, you know, because I want the adult to show up. And, yes, work with the child and the adult, but I want the adult to be in charge and say, you know, how did you get noticed by being late when you were young? In many ways in your life, how did this work for you, being late? 
And is it working today, now? Go ahead. I also wonder if that lateness is that person's engineer saying, you will not get help. We will not change this. Absolutely. We won't change this. You're going to someone to get help. We're going to give you as little time as possible <laughs> to do that. <laughs> and then, I'll show and, up, but I'm only going to give them 20 minutes instead yeah. of 45 minutes or 50 yeah, yeah, minutes. Yeah. You know? So, you know, and it's something that we meet a lot when we're sitting with clients, a subtle resistance That's to right. anything changing. You know, you might as a, you know, if you're a therapist or a caregiver out there or something, you try to give some you know, an opening, an invitation for something to change. And you just hear or feel this big no. That's right. And and we, ha- I welcome the no. I really do. I welcome it and I say, let's talk. Let's talk to that no. Right. And, and so this is a long way. We've come a long way from Freud who would say, you know, that it's related to, you know, your potty training. You weren't, you, you know, you didn't finish that. So correct, you know, as as well as you could have, or your relationship with your opposite sex uh, parent, you know, whatever. We've come a long way from there to say, no, you have defense mechanisms that you've used um, to survive. They're not really constructive for you any longer in your world. Um, Let's talk them out. Let's bring them in and talk them out and see how much you need them or don't need them. Or what they're protecting you from. Indeed. And really look at, you know, what is the perceived threat here? What is, what's afraid of being lost? What part of this structure isn't stable enough to handle this change? Yeah. To handle feeling these emotions. So that's what needs to be buoyed. That's what needs to be paid attention to. It's like, oh, where's this weakness that this engineer is protecting? How do I make room for this change? You know, who am I if I give up my lateness? Who am I if I give up my passive aggression? In a session or working with somebody or even taking time yourself to look at this, you know, you pull back and you get a vision. You're like, oh, I can envision myself coming here enthusiastically, working with my therapist instead of resentfully um, stubbornly and um, and not wanting to. I could look at my life that way and maybe I could do it. I could come here on time and in other places and be a different or better me. I still have my engineer, but I can see a way that I can be an adult without my passive aggression. You know, so just like we tried to say in last show about envisioning, you know, when you Take on New Year's resolutions. You're envisioning a different you, right? Most, a lot of people miss that step. They don't. They they get to the lack. Oh, I'm lacking this, and I should change that. Right. But they're not picturing. Well, who am I when I get there? Right. What will it look like? Exactly. How will I be? And do I really want to be that? Uh, so. We're telling you now with the engineer is to look at yourself, step back from the engineer, the mechanisms you use to stay the same, and see who would I be if I didn't do that. So, for instance, if I stop denying, I'm being told by 10 people that I have this issue, and I just say, no, I don't, you hmm. know, and just walk around right. like that's in denial. You're in a certain kind of See, Let me see. Maybe maybe I could be who they're thinking I am 
if I dropped all of my denial. Maybe they're envisioning a better me, the real me, that I'm not making room for and I'm denying with all of my behavior and everything. Or like dissociation, how about projection? Like this is a defense mechanism. I don't want to change, so I'm going to take my anger or any of my feelings and say you're the angry one. Blame it on others. You're you're what's stopping our relationship from being better. That's right. Yeah. Yep. It's, oh, you know, denial and projection seem to go together. (laughs) It's not me. It's you. Of course. I don't have a problem. You do. Yes. Really watch that dialogue. An internal, it can be an internal dialogue that comes up. It's like, whoa, what am I doing here? We don't have time to go on to, I, I have written out like primary Defense mechanisms like dissociation that you learn at an early age, acting out. If I make a big spectacle, maybe I won't, people won't really notice the real thing that's going on. Mm-hmm. So I'll just be out of control. I'll externalize or um, I compartmentalize. You know anybody who does that? Like, yeah. We'll, we'll narrow it down to like the smallest. Okay, so you're telling me that um, I'm A, B, C, D, and E. And I'm going to say, well, I'll make room a little bit for B, <laughs> but all the other ones you're wrong on, <laughs> you know, uh, and I, w- I will only focus on that. That's compartmentalizing right. or repression, intellectual. We'll, we'll go through some of these. Sublimation is a big one. But sublimation is like a good defense mechanism. You don't have time for everything in life. So you do have to, you know, take charge of certain stimuli and like. Okay, I'll sublimate that. I, I'm focused on, you know, graduating medical school. I can't focus on, Right, you know. and that definitely shows a sign of a mature capacity, mature resilience. You have to be somewhat resilient to be able to take something that's kind of big and say, not now. Yeah. I'll do this later. Right now I'm focusing on X, Y, and Z. Can't, can't deal with ABC right now, but I will. So, Nasima, before we get to the last part of the show, I did want to say something about one of the most common defense mechanisms, denial. I heard something really very interesting recently. Denial, don't even notice I am lying. That's a great an acronym, right? It's yeah, an acronym. You know, and so people, you know, can be 50, 60, 70, 80, don't even notice that I am lying. You know, your heart drops. It makes you feel for them. You you want to say, no, you don't have to deny. I don't care that you're lying. Let's just make an impact. I want to be helpful. I want to work with you. I want you to become who you really are. You're living a part of you that's really not who you are. So a lot of substance abuse, you know, is just riddled with, with denial. The, 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 the addict, the abuser, whatever, will just deny to everybody around them. That's why, you know, on that show, um, Intervention, where they talk a little bit, I remember when you were this way. I remember when you were loving and, you know, often, you know, the addict in the family is sometimes one who's tuned into something really sensitively that other members of the family aren't. So I just like that aspect. So people are trying to help you with your denial. Yeah, and it's like, don't even notice... I am lying to myself, yeah. to my community, to you. Right. It's 
it's really deep. It's very hard to come to terms with the lies you tell yourself, how yeah. you're, you know, and, and I feel such compassion because the, the lie is to try to fit in still, you know, right. <laughs> you know, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm just like the rest of you. I'm just, I'm fine. I'm yeah. just as good as everybody else. I'm fine. All of this stuff, but it's, it's don't even notice how I don't fit in. Right. Don't even notice. Which brings us to the last part of the show, which is that all defense mechanisms and the engineer are trying to prevent you from having any feelings. A feeling can really mess up your day. <laughs> and a feeling, if you let yourself have feelings, you know, or if you've closed yourself off from feelings and all defense mechanisms, repression. Repression, the one Freud always talked about, you know, that you repress sexual feelings, you repress sexual thoughts, all types of repression that we're doing all the time is a way to prevent yourself from having feelings. Sometimes feelings can just derail your life. I don't have time for that feeling right now. But do you have time for feelings in at other times of your life, how how are you with music? How are you with beauty? You know, do you notice feelings? Because the chances are, if you don't, your engineer is very strong, running your life, preventing you from changing, and keeping you the way you are, or your defense mechanisms are doing that. So we start out today by talking about not judging not being critical, guilt as being the number one killer of resilience, that if you feel guilty, the chances are you're not very resilient. And we end by saying, do I have feelings? Can I feel the feelings that come up when I try to make change? It's really difficult to feel the feeling of, I want to have the cake because I don't want to feel how, you know, maybe lonely I am right now. Yeah. I don't want to feel that loneliness. So I'll eat the cake so that I feel something that feels good. Yeah. Rather than just dropping into the feeling of loneliness and be like, yeah, I'm lonely. That's, that's, right. that's what's happening. Yeah. And, and I think I'll be okay. I mean, it's not the end of the world that I'm lonely. Yeah. It hurts. It's a little sad. Yes. <sighs> a little woe is me. But, you know, I'll kind of make it through it. And I don't have to have the cake. And then maybe things start shift from there. You know, it's, it's uh, yeah, again, thinking about this engineer that has created this structure around some weakness, some inability, some lack right. of some skill yes. to be able to to feel something. And, and maybe it did come from a... a a hurtful, neglectful childhood or something that happened. I also want to give a shout out to a lot of times difficulty and abuse can, can give us a pretty deep well of resilience because you got through somehow. Maybe we can dip into that a little bit. Like, yeah, even though that part might be a bit weak, it's very deep. It has deep roots. Right. You know, when we think about all types of abuse that children have experienced, you know, and, and you know, people like the Holocaust or, um, you know, Viktor Frankl 
a famous author psychologist who survived the Holocaust, right? Man in Search of Meaning, this famous book, you know, talks about resilience. Mm -hmm. Um, And he says those who found a meaning in the suffering, they found a meaning in the imprisonment were the ones that were more resilient, are the ones that had a better chance at surviving. Mm -hmm. Man in Search of Meaning, finding a meaning to the struggle is a is a way to survive it and so many people that have survived um, neglect and abuse have a head you know have a leg up on people with resilience because of the repeated abuse that they enter adulthood with a mechanism some strong engineer let's say we don't want to demonize an in- engineer uh, but they might be missing this quality of feeling, this ability to feel. And, and we want to add that as a, an element to living an adult life. And and what might happen with that engineer who's structured around the prevent, you know, the prevention of the feeling of the abuse, in a way, yes. is that the engineer sometimes gets us into more abusive relationships. Indeed, it does. It, it it's always looking for what it knows. Yes. Right, and so. Those are the people that show up with couples counseling, which is the best opportunity two people have to really become in charge or take charge of their engineer and become loving people for really the first time. So, Nasima, we should tell our audience about the resilience questionnaire that we have on our website and in our newsletter, and people can get that at tffpp.org the foundation for positive psychology.org question 19 i've been made the question is one to five five being the strongest i've been made stronger and bitter better by (coughs) by difficult experiences i've been made stronger and better by difficult experiences which is exactly what we're talking about so this difficulty in childhood this abuse or, or surviving difficult situations Leads to resilience. Another question is, I read people well and trust my intuition. One of the, and trust my intuition, one of the results of living in, a, in an oppressive and you know, stressful environment when you're young is that you pick up other things. You know, you're in, it, this could be one of the results. It's not happened to everybody. But some people sort of develop a sixth sense, like an intuition, like knowing when the abuse is coming, knowing when hard times and the neglect might be coming. And so they, they compensate and make this growth of their intuition. And they, they learn to read situations because they become hypervigilant. Another question, I'm very flexible. I feel comfortable with my paradoxical complexity. I'm optimistic and pessimistic, trusting and cautious, unselfish and selfish, and so forth. One to five. This is, this is on this questionnaire, resilience questionnaire. How resilient are you, folks? Today we wanted to give you a tool in understanding a part of you that doesn't want you to change and that doesn't want you to be resilient that wants you to be rigid and inflexible and that, that sabotages know. that wants to sabotage any change you might make and, and maybe protects you from feeling 
which is really ultimately what it's about. If you want to give up cigarettes, you're going to (laughs) confront feelings. If you want to lose weight, you're going to confront feelings. There's just no question about it. But I think, Nassimo, what you talked about loneliness, if you can go there, which is one of the worst feelings, and endure that, bear the, the loneliness, bear the dark feelings, you can give up your cigarettes. You'll be able to give up your cake. So we did four shows on loneliness, just to remind the audience. We did four shows on loneliness at the end of last year. They can listen to it on uh, The Positive Mind. It's a podcast on most podcast platforms. You can also go to um, www.tffpp.org, the foundation for positive org, and we have a link there, too. We want to say thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with part three on resilience. I'm Kev O'Donoghue, the licensed mental health counselor. And I'm Nasima Diane Diemer, trauma specialist and licensed massage therapist. And we'd like to thank our stations for airing us WBTV, WFMP, WRWK, KCSB, KEPJ, KYGT, The Detour. We thank you for your continued support. We'd also like to thank our producer, Connie Shannon, our chief engineer, Jeff Brady. And you can also contact us at that same website, tffpp.org, with questions, comments, or suggestions for the show, or to sign up for our newsletter. You can also find our podcast on most podcast platforms, The Positive Mind. Bye-bye for now. We'll see you next week. Mm